Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of our podcast session here at High Level called the High Level Spotlight Sessions, where we bring in top-notch players in the world of marketing and business and learn more about what they do and, uh, you know, really to help a ton of agency owners, course creators, branders, marketers, influencers, whoever you are in the world of digital entrepreneurship, we want to share a couple of ideas with you. I have George here, George Coker, and he is an agency owner now, but uh, just a quick background about himself. He he worked in the private equity space for over a decade and was involved in growing multiple companies from 100 million valuation to well over 500 plus exit. And uh, now he's an agency owner with multi-location, and he specifically focuses on healthcare practices, behavioral type of uh, clinicians, and uh, they focus on attribution and growing. And obviously, high level is a huge component of what they do and really what, I, what we want to do is have a open conversation about how to scale an agency to over $200,000 a month using SEO services. And to make that point very clear, we're going to talk about three pillars. The three pillars being one, client acquisition, number two, client fulfillment, and retaining talent. And as we get into it, George, give us your story. And I, I always share this with everyone. I want to make I want to make sure high level is a place of truth where you could come in and everybody listening uh feel like they're learning a ton of things. So I always start with someone's story. Who are you? Where did you get started? How did you get into the world of business? Yeah. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So yeah, I got into the agency world in a really super roundabout way. I got into marketing in general in a pretty uh kind of random set of circumstances. I actually graduated from Cornell, had a degree in economics and went directly into working in finance. So I was trading bonds, working for Barclays Capital on their execution desk in uh, in New York City, did that for several years, got kind of, I mean, it was an amazing experience, right? Like somebody coming right out of college, 21 years old doing that. I was trading uh, yeah, multiple billions of of dollars a day on their on their desk. So that was like a really cool experience. But at the same time, I realized after a while, one, I wasn't super happy because I wasn't really seeing the daylight very much. Like very literally, I was waking up at four a.m. every day, getting to the office, and then not getting home until nine o'clock at night. So did that for a a little while, um, several years. Had a good experience, but wanted to kind of learn how to build and, and grow a company more than that. I was gaining very specific skills on how to trade. And I liked the creative and operations side a little bit more than that. So ended up taking a job at a growth startup. They were funded by some great investors and had one location. It was a behavioral health um, kind of like psych hospital at, at that time. And I was working with the company, just trying to grow, look at acquisitions, things like that, because I had the finance background. And it ended up being that the most important thing was client acquisition. That was what drove the entire business. So I got really involved in that. That company grew to 18 different locations, and then we sold to a private equity company. And it was a cool experience. Like I actually built a kind of like a bootstrapped uh, CRM for that that was specialized for that company because Go High Level didn't exist back then. So we we did a lot of really cool stuff where we were proving out attribution. And that was so important because 
I was managing a marketing budget of uh, about three, $3 million a month for that company. So we really needed to prove what was actually working. Was it SEO? Was it ads? Was it uh, Facebook, you know, social, all these different things. And so that, that I grew to understand that importance and how it was a major revenue driver of the company. And, and I fell in love with that. So after that, I got recruited by another private equity company, did the same thing, kind of a fractional chief marketing officer for a few of their different um, different locations. And then, yeah, I guess about <clears throat> three and a half years ago, I started my agency. I had kind of uh, gotten really into taking online courses and things like that back then because I was managing a large budget and I didn't know what I was doing to be quite honest with you. Like I'd never done, that wasn't my, I didn't learn anything about that in college. I, I really didn't know. Um, I didn't know the first thing about it. So I started taking online courses from every guru that was out there just for like professional curiosity and, and understanding. Got really into it. I picked up a couple of small clients. I was building websites for them and just kind of learning the ropes. And then, uh, yeah, I just got to the point where I didn't want to be on a plane four or five days a week anymore. And I started my company full time. I was I was employee number one. Um, okay. So I had a I had a cool career before that, but I really started from the complete ground up with um, with my company Brand North. So I started that and uh, just you know kept growing. Made a ton of mistakes over the first year and a half, two years. Um, I just I tried to do everything under the sun. Um, I tried to, you know, sell SaaS, uh, go high level. And I tried to do Facebook ads and I tried to do e-commerce and, you know, anybody that was coming to me, basically I was trying to help them. And I, I realized um, pretty quickly on, I think that that was not the best way to grow an agency. It was just so resource intensive. Uh, but I didn't make a change right away because it's hard to say no to money when you need money, right? So um, I kind of built the company up over two years, got some really awesome key employees and started to get the right people on the bus. And then um, about a year ago, we made the shift to really specializing in a specific industry within healthcare. And since then, it's just been so much better. We've really been able to kind of you know, just finalize all of our SOPs and really get the direction that we're going in. Client acquisition has been much easier since then. And I think our service has gotten a lot better as well. I love that. So how how did you guys get to a world of making 200000 a month using SEO services. I assume that didn't take off like that. So how, how do we land? How did you land in the idea that SEO is your primary vehicle? And what are some mistakes that went around just deciding the service and the product and the offer in addition to the industry that you're focused on? I would assume naturally you went into the behavioral health because you had the pre uh pre-agency experience, but like how, how did the offers all get, you know, kind of formulate together? It's a good question. Um, <clears throat> I guess I just, I, I always gravitated to it personally. I think that it's very difficult. Like there's a lot of different forms of marketing that are, that are difficult, but with SEO, particularly in an in industry that really requires a lot of expertise and authority and, 
um, needs to be written in a very specific way. It took a long time to be able to really do that well. And we had a couple of clients that did that early on. So we had to kind of cut our teeth and learn how to do that, make sure that everything is encrypted, that it's HIPAA compliant and all of those different things. And, and that was a hurdle that we had to get over early on. And I think that once we did that, it just made sense to really continue with that and build that out to its fullest potential. Now, at this point, we're starting to add on other services. We've been building out an AdWords department for the last several months, and we've uh, we've really started offering some different things with Go High Level as well. So it's been a, a process that's still evolving. We're going to be looking to actually build some custom software this year that helps serve our clients better and make our our services more efficient. So we've done a lot with that. Um, we're even looking into starting to offer automation. There's so many different things within. When you focus on one industry, you can really become an expert on it. So we're looking at, uh, we've actually started automating some of their their billing practices and you know, electronic medical record systems and, and notation and different things like that that are required. So um, we are expanding our service offering, but it's definitely all stems from having our our core offering of being an SEO agency. I love that. So as employee number one, you essentially built your own skills and talent and decided, you know what, SEO makes the most sense. Let me go down that lane. You put together key employees and you said, you know what, I'm going to go directly at that industry with SEO services. So then how did you start building a client acquisition method? And that could be our first pillar that we kind of iron out in this conversation. Getting to yeah. 200K a month is, um, there. there's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears behind that. And I know it because I'm a previous agency owner myself and built three of them. So, But help me understand your journey in figuring out your client acquisition method that was consistent or at least predictable. I have like the least cool answer to this question because it's just so it's so basic. And I think it's what a lot of people don't really like to hear about. Like we've never built a funnel. I don't know that I've ever gotten a client from my social media presence or or anything like that. We've really um, we've focused on strategic partnerships that are already serving our industry. Um and then I've uh, especially recently been trying to just position myself as more of a subject matter expert. I'm speaking at three different industry-specific conferences this year and um, doing a lot of different things like that. But um, yeah, we took a. I, I realized that I didn't want to build a sales team right away. That that was really the biggest thing. I thought, you know what, um, it's difficult enough to just do the fulfillment that we need to do it uh, really in a good way for our clients. So I want to focus on building a really good product first. And that's what I've spent the most time on. And I figured, how can I be lazy, but also still bring on a lot of clients? And it was pretty, it, it ended up being pretty simple, right? I, I try to develop relationships with people that touch many of my clients already. They've already spent the money on marketing, basically, so I don't have to. Um, and that's been extremely fruitful for us. So an example of that is like every um, 
you know, every behavioral healthcare facility or specialty, specialty surgery center or something like that, they have a lot of compliance that they need to do always, right? So we have four or five different compliance officers that work as consultants that go in, that help them get their licensing, that make sure that they're, you know, able to get audited. These are things that are happening all the time in, in this industry. So um, we've, you know, we've worked with them. We refer them clients. They refer us clients. Same thing with um, really any software agency or any software service or anything that um, just already has a existing client base in our industry. And I've worked really hard to, it, it's not even a money thing. Like we don't pay a referral fee. We just, we're good to them and we help them out however we can. Um, an example with that of, of that would be like, we've built multiple websites for the compliance people and things like that, that, uh, you know, that they refer us business, we'll just, we'll build their website, we'll help them out, we'll help them increase their presence. Ultimately, it's going to increase our presence as well. So we've tried to be really good partners with them. And and I'm very mindful of referring them business back and, and just making sure that they feel like their clients are in good hands. And uh, that's really been the almost the only way that we've uh, grown to the level that we are right now. And we're now it's a good position because we're actually working on starting to layer marketing on top of that in different ways. We just built out a really cool process where we're doing LinkedIn outreach instead of just doing LinkedIn outreach and asking to book a call. We're like we're basically creating uh, roundup posts with experts from the industry. So we'll reach out to somebody instead of saying, hey, you know, what's going on with your marketing? We'll say, Hey, would you like to be featured in this industry report that we're doing? Um, you know, fill out this form, book a, you know, or give us a quote for this article, and then we send it to them when it's done. It goes viral because they're starting to share it and reshare it, and uh, we've been able to use that entire process with Go High Level. Actually, I, I love that. So, in a world of <clears throat> saturation, I mean, healthcare is extremely saturated whether you choose a sub niche or not. And oh, I think power partnerships is really interesting because in, in the lake of saturation of every agency being the same, a physician or a clinical brand could pick out someone that comes in through a referral or word of mouth in the world of partnerships. So how are those partnerships based on your personal connections, events, like, you know, I assume you didn't start with any. So like what what qualifies a good partner? How did you get to your first one? Give us the pros and cons of that partnership strategy. Yeah, I, I do. I go after them. I'll do hard sales to try to really find those people and and go after them and bring them into our, our camp, right? So I want them to be our advocate. I'm going to be their advocate. I'll search it out. And I did this, by the way, in multiple different industries prior to really uh, making the decision to, to go into this. Like I, I was doing um, like a specialty type of flooring SEO just randomly. I, I picked up a couple of clients in it when we first started our agency. And the first thing that I did was I, I reached out to, I found the largest Facebook groups that existed. And I reached out to the administrators and I said, let me help you. You know, like, what do you need to make more money? And we just, we did it, you know, like I didn't ask for any money. I didn't do anything. I, like I wanted them to be like, this company is the best company in the world. 
and like be overly happy with it. And that's what we did. And I, I picked up like 15 clients in that industry right away without having any industry background or anything like that. But I just got the right people and it's a lot easier to make one sale than it is to make, you know, 15, 20, 30 sales and reach out to them on a one-to-one -one basis. So I've just tried to find like who is in that sphere of influence that can really connect us with our target client. And one thing I'm observing from your strategies is you, you like to be dem demonstrative of your skill set and your services. So like, instead of just building a relationship of any, any kind, you're providing services that are marketing related. So they see the power of what you would provide a referral. And I think that's really interesting. So help us understand how you got to that level of client fulfillment. That That's going to be essentially the second pillar we talk about, which is client fulfillment, which is a huge topic on its own, but give us your, you know, rundown of how you view client fulfillment. Yeah, I think that I, I, first off, I think the most important thing with client fulfillment is, are you actually generating business, right? Like, is it actually generating um, a return and ROI for the client that you're working for? And it seems like Duh, you know, like that's obviously what the what the goal is, but a lot of times that's not really understood, right? And I think that if a campaign starts well, it ends well. And that's always my philosophy. And if you do a deep dive at the beginning and really understand the needs and how you can fulfill those needs, that everything is going to just go so much better, especially when it comes to something like SEO, that's a long-term kind of run rate. If you start off the wrong way or you don't have a very thorough understanding of what the economic drivers of that business are, it's not going to go well because you just don't have the opportunity to pivot 90, 120 days later and then expect it to be better. Like you're going to be at your six month contract renewal by that point and you just you're you're not going to keep the business. So I think that onboarding is unbelievably important. Um, having a really strong SOP, making sure that you take down the right information, making sure that you're crafting the right strategy from the start and really being very, very present with that client at the beginning, setting setting those expectations is invaluable to client fulfillment. And it's something that I've always found, but that when we started double down on that, it it's just been exponentially better. So I, I don't think that fully answered the question, but um, I, you know, it, it client fulfillment starts at the start and getting the right information and being on the same page about what the definition of good actually is um, like, that's going to just help so much. It's going to relieve so many headaches. So we do a really good job at that. Um, in terms of fulfillment, I think that that onboarding process has also really helped the scope of our engagements, what we do, what we don't do. Uh, you know, when a client onboards with us, they're going to receive right away like what their entire next six months is basically going to look like with us. So their expectations are, are there right away. Um, one thing that we've done that's huge on the fulfillment side is I've just realized, and this is kind of like an SEO specific thing, but we're taking over so many websites and they're always so jacked up 
right? Like there's always like when clients call you, usually they're calling you because they're paying you to fix a problem and they have a problem. And half the time it's that they're, you know, they're on some WordPress website where the plugins haven't been updated in five years and they're, you know, paying somebody a lot of money that's writing some random AI content and just doesn't make any sense. So we've developed a framework where basically we're able to rebuild the client's website from scratch within the first week. Um, that's like just huge and the client's receiving major value up front. And we don't even have to charge for that. Like it just comes with the SEO agreement because we've developed a template that's so good that kind of fulfills all of our needs where we're able to do that. And then we don't have to worry about all of these legacy issues that take several developers just to maintain. And that was one of the biggest problems that I had from the beginning because I'm I'm not a developer and I didn't understand the complexities of doing that. Like I was working on one website, one brand, maybe three or four at a, at a time at max. But when you start all of a sudden having to manage 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 clients at a time, you end up starting to have all of those different scaling issues. So that was something where we were just kind of like, you know what? We're going to rip the Band-Aid off. We're just going to get this thing right the first time and devote resources to it. But it's helped so much with client retention and just making sure that we can actually do the right fulfillment. So, um, yeah, I, I can continue speaking about that all, all day if you want or have other specific questions. Uh, I, I love that. I think the big thing with SEO is creating and defining the standard of what good is. And each client is different. Like I, I've had SEO clients in the past in my old agencies where they've been through the ringer and all kinds, like five different WordPressers or website people ran them through a bunch of different things. And they finally get to me and I'm a Facebook ads guy. And they're like, Paulson, can you fix this? And I'm like, I don't even know SEO stuff, but I can get you a contractor. Let me see what I can do. And my faithful you know, contractor goes through it and he's like, well, this thing is all jacked up. So like, <laughs> that's the story I've seen multiple times and you're laughing because I'm sure that's kind of similar. And so every yeah. client coming to you, that starting point is different. So how do you set the standard or define what's good and have the right expectations with your clients when it comes to client fulfillment? Yeah, so I it definitely is... I can't act like it's it's perfect because it's not, but really what I do is they they come to me, everything is inbound. Um, we have a call that's just a, a quick call. We kind of go over, start to identify their needs, put them on a retainer. Um, and we do, we it really starts with what are the problems? We do the audit right away and we rebuild the website, fix all of those things. And then we just start to define um, you know, what is like along with their goals, how much it's actually going to cost to reach their goals. And then that can kind of shift up or down based on how quickly they want to, they want to go. But it's, it's also definitely something that we're starting to change on the, on just internally on our side where it worked fine. And I think a lot of companies find this, but it worked fine having a manager, for kind of like every department and then having junior people underneath them where we've got a web development manager, we've got an SEO manager, we've got a content manager, we've got a 
chief operating officer, we've got an automation manager, all these different things, but it starts to break down after like you reach that point of where the managers can no longer oversee that entire client base. Even if they have other people helping them, like you can't look at 40 clients every month and make sure that that process is going well. It just like, I can't do it myself. So I can't expect anybody else to, to do it really. Um, especially if they're large, um, large operations, like one client might have 40 locations. So it starts to get, um, it starts to get complex. So now what we've started to do is actually break it down into like silos and pods that are responsible for a certain amount of revenue. So that could be one client or that could be 10 clients based on their size. But I think that just individualizing things like that and having a team that's responsible for it has made it a lot easier to grow. We're starting to make um, like fully implement a lot of those changes right now, but definitely see a, a path forward where it's going to be substantially more scalable with that. And um, yeah, at, at the end of the day too, I think a lot of it's just human interaction and making sure that the, the scope is defined. Like we, we have the whole process where we send out the contract. They have a certain amount of things that they're going to be getting right at the, at the beginning and that they're going to receive on a monthly recurring basis. But I don't think that any of that really matters at the end of the day. What matters is results. And you need to definitely, no matter what the service is, whether it's Facebook ads, AdWords, SEO, um, reputation management, having the goal in mind is very important. And if you can define what the goal is and their expectations, then <clears throat> like you can start to tell them exactly what they actually need to do to get there. And I think that's how most scope creep actually ends up happening is like, if they have this pie in the sky number, it's like, well, you know, you're never going to get there with what you're paying. I don't care. You know, it, it's, it's just not possible. Like you can't compete against a brand that's been spending $15,000 on SEO for the last 10 years. If you know, you, your budget is $1,500. Like it's just, you're never going to be happy. I'm never going to do what you actually need to do. Um, and, and then the other, on the other side of it, I think that it's really important to involve the client in the process and let them know the power that they have to make the, to, to really make it better, right? Like the worst engagements that we've ever had is when clients are just extremely passive and not involved in the process. Like nobody wants a client that's going to call them five times a day, but at the same time, like don't expect your results with SEO to be amazing and like withstand every Google algorithm update. If you're not updating your social media ever, you know, like you, you have to do some things and be involved in the process and being letting them know what their responsibility is, is very important that they can dictate how well this goes as well. I love that. With relation to client fulfillment, again, can you speak to client accountability and also let's move into a conversation about attribution? So first you said, you know, there are some responsibilities that you put on the clients. What does that look like? What does the same exact coin on your team look like as well, where the team responsibility is kind of dancing together for the right result? Yeah. Yeah. That took a really long time to figure out. I think we really only, we really only started nailing that in the last three to six months. But what I, what I did was 
when I made the decision that we're going to kind of be specific to this industry, I did the same thing. I went out and found a, I found a Facebook influencer actually in the industry that has over a million followers. He's awesome. He understands what's going on. He understands the needs of the clients and he became our uh, basically content subject matter expert because he understands content. Obviously he reached 54 million people last month. Like he gets, you know, he, he gets what's uh, what's going on in, in the industry and all that stuff. So um, what we've shifted to is basically saying, okay, we're going to build your, we're going to build out your, your website. We're going to build out your content, all of these different things, but that's what everybody's doing. So we can only do so much of that that's really going to make a difference. If you have specialties and differentiators, then tell them to us and and say it in video form also. Like record those, you know, talk about what's actually different. Don't just, you know, make us have to use stock images for everything, right? Like if there are things that you really care about that make you different, that make you special, then you know, show that in uh, to us in a way where we can actually present it on the website. And we've done that in a lot of ways to make it easier for them. Sometimes we'll even do interviews with their clinical specialists or the doctors or, or you know, different things like that, where they're talking about it. We can reflect that in the content, but also just empowering them to say, hey, like you can buy a um, you know, like you can buy a tripod on, on Amazon. It costs $15, like record something. It doesn't need to be beautiful. It's going to be better than whatever anybody else is doing anyway, because they're not even thinking about it. And like that really helps drive their, their entire strategy. I love that. So then the accountability, how do you create the accountability? Like, is there, are you doing deadlines? Is there contractual agreements? You know, especially when it comes to partnerships or even clients. Uh, and I assume it's more of a good faith relationship. Yeah, it's it's good faith. I mean, we have a we do have a contract um, in terms of the time um, that they have to be with us. If a client signs with us, we just tell them that look, if you don't want to, if you don't want to invest for six months, then don't you know, don't work with us. That's, you know, you're not gonna, you're not gonna get or be able to really experience the fruits of the labor unless you're committed to it for at least that period of time. So we do, we do that much. Um, on the ad side, we don't quite as much with the like actual contract time limit. Um, but, you know, we, we charge an onboarding fee to make sure that the extra effort and the costs are covered at the, at the beginning of the relationships of so they do want to stop after 30 or 60 days or something like that i'm not going to cry about it because we didn't lose money where is with seo a lot of times that can be the case because there's just so much upfront work that has to happen with it so um so yeah we do have a, a timeline but they're not contractually obligated to do anything or give us any information or anything like that but we just let them know that if, if you really want to get the most out of this and you're really trying to build a brand and, and you're trying to, I, I just think it's important for anything, right? If you're running ads, if you're doing Facebook ads, if you're running Google ads, if you're doing SEO, like you have to have a brand presence. It's going to make everything better. And we'll even help them with doing some of their social media management and things like that. But I don't think that there's much that resonates if you're just putting up a, picture and you know 
drawing something in Canva or something like that. Like we want to know what's actually going on, you know, and you have to tell us that. And I'll a lot of times tell the owners of these organizations that they should really designate somebody that's, you know, somewhat tech savvy, interested in this from within the organization and, you know, tell them that they have to spend 10% of their time on this. That's the extra cost, you know, that you have in addition to our contract, if you want to make this go well. I appreciate you sharing those notes. Now, when it comes to client fulfillment, um, I assume all $200,000 a month that comes in is not all from SEO because obviously you have to have a omnipresent marketing approach in most businesses and medical is not any more special than that. So help us understand how you have kind of potentially diversified or did you double down on SEO? Yeah, we've really doubled down. I'd say like 95% is actually from, from SEO. Um, but I think that that was just more because I was referring out a lot of business. We referred out over a million dollars of business last year, at least at, at a minimum, because I just saw through my first two years of running the agency and I'm just being real. Like I, you know, when I was taking on things that I wasn't, that we weren't prepared on the fulfillment side for, it made my life miserable to be totally honest with you. Like, and doing something that you're not good at can, I don't know if everybody understands how intense the impacts of that are. Like you can bring on a bad client or you can provide a service that you're really not able to do. And the time and money and effort that goes into something that probably is ultimately going to fail anyway is just not, um, yeah, it's, it's really horrible. So I referred out a ton of business. Um, I should say it's, it's less than 95% because we do get paid some referrals and things like that for the business that we refer out. But in terms of our recurring revenue, that's not from affiliate things, it's really 95% from um, SEO. But yeah, my whole plan for 2024, in addition to building out some custom software is really like, we want to scale that up and and start scaling ads and um, both Google and Facebook and doing some more social media management. Because I think that if we get good at Google ads, we'll be able to probably more than double the current revenue that we have pretty easy. And those, we already have those clients. We're just referring it out. And it was kind of an integrity thing. Like we tried multiple times. I was sending it to different vendors and I was trying to, you know, kind of oversee it and help with that. And it's, it's also difficult. Like I think specifically because the industry that we're in, it, it, it is, more challenging because a lot of our customers, like the average AdWords account is a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollars a month that they're spending. So you don't have the opportunity. Like when I did it wrong, we lost the SEO business and we don't ever lose SEO clients. So I looked at it more as an as like a liability to offer something that we weren't confident in rather than an opportunity. Now that's going to change because we've actually like we hired I wasn't able to hire any industry experts in AdWords. Um, it just didn't work. I tried multiple times, but a lot of times, to be quite honest with you, like the people that are really like the killers in the industries that we serve, 
they, like they want to make three hundred thousand dollars a year because they're already making that doing it for a couple, you know, doing it for a couple clients and just being freelancers. So it was really hard to hire for. And basically, what I ended up doing is just hiring a couple of really smart young um, young people and, and just kind of teaching them from the ground up. They spent the last. 90 days literally taking courses that I buy them and looking at some of the AdWords accounts that we have and um, that are being outsourced to to other agencies and things like that. So um, now I think we're building it the right way. And when we're ready, we'll, we'll scale that really quickly. I love that. So with respect to client fulfillment, again, uh, before we go into retaining talent as our last pillar of conversation, could you help us understand technology? Like where where does high level sit in your world as an SEO agency? Like how did you come across high level? How do you use high level for SEO? Do you not? If not, no worries. But like help us understand the the different things that you have from a tech standpoint inside high level. Yeah, absolutely. So I've been, I started, like I said, I started my career in marketing more from the attribution standpoint than from the actual like doing marketing standpoint, because <laughs> I was just looking at what are the economic drivers of the business. And to do that, you need to understand attribution. I realized after doing that for a little while that, and you guys that go high level understand this, but proving an offline conversion is difficult. Right. If somebody is going from a website to like, or they're going from a search to a website and then a phone call instead of just entering their, their credit card, it's with e-commerce, it's a little bit more binary. They're either entering their credit card and checking out or they're not. With a service industry, they're making a phone call and then it has to go through a pipeline to see how well that lead progressed. That's a big deal. And I don't think that that many people are really, really good at that. And it's so important, especially if there's a real marketing budget behind it. So I've always approached any service that we offer or anything. Like if they don't have a CRM, we can't work with them, period. Because it doesn't matter what we do. It, it just, it really doesn't. They need to have their ducks in a row on that side. And, and that's how ultimately it ends up being successful. So the way that, I looked at it and I was one of the first like very early users of go high level. Cause I just, I saw it and I was like, Oh my God, like this is awesome. Like every agency needs this. It's the most important thing. So I was in there right away. I didn't, um, I didn't really utilize it to the level that I should have. I wish that I, I did a little bit more early on. I took every course. Like I bought Christine's course, I did uh, go high level experts. I did, you know, I've, I've bought all of them and, and taken them and they're all, they're all awesome. Um, but yeah, ultimately what I ended up doing was um, we use it for internally for our own processes, right? So we use it for our own marketing and, and tracking of what we're doing. We have it set up. So when I have somebody that refers to me, it goes into our go high level pipeline. We click the package. It sends out a, we've automated the the Panda doc and, and all that different stuff that gets sent out. I think you guys have something where we actually don't even need Panda doc anymore now, but uh, yeah, so we've done all of that. We actually brought on a uh, chief automation officer about six months ago. He's been absolutely awesome. So he's implementing a lot of different stuff for go high level with us. We do some review management automations from it. And um, 
yeah, I, I've not used it in a extremely significant way more than that, other than um, we do have one or two clients that use it as their CRM. It's kind of the same thing with ads is the way that I look at it. We're going to uh, build out a full version of high level that's HIPAA compliant and has all of the different needs that that our clients have. And I think that's going to be extremely fruitful and profitable for us. But most of our clients are already like Salesforce users, right? They're paying $100,000 to onboard, you know, to do a custom Salesforce build out and, and stuff like that. So um, sometimes it's not appropriate, but at the same time, like there's a whole group of our client base that are not using, they're not ready to spend $150,000 building out a CRM and go high level would be perfect for it. But we have to do the whole HIPAA compliance and all those upgrades and things like that and really get it built out the the right way. I love that. So let's talk about retaining talent in your business. And uh, I think there's two layers of it from your strategy that you described. One is retaining the power partnerships and the affiliates and the strategic side. And the other is internally retaining the talent within the house that you have built. Um, help us understand within your own team how you have retained talent to kind of maintain the $200,000 a month type of run. Because that's it's nearly impossible to keep a team behind that. It's easier to do the sales but it's impossible to fulfill things like that at a consistent level. Uh, so help us understand your thoughts. What have you done uh, in retaining talent? Right. Um, it's, it's the <laughs> most difficult, it's the most difficult thing. And then finding somebody that's really good and then keeping somebody that's, that's really good. Um, I think that first off, it's definitely helped a lot having more of a focus. So being in one specific industry, has made it a lot less ambiguous. And I think that people enjoy it a lot more. And we also have a mission, right? Like we believe in the work that we're doing and we believe that when we do the work we're doing, we're actually not only helping our clients, but we're helping the clients that they serve. So that's important, right? Mission, vision, things like that are like, they really mean something. And I think a lot of people overlook that. It's like, if you just have, your mission statement and your values of what you want the company to be, it doesn't really mean anything. But if you actually live by those values and people really buy into that vision and see where you're going and see the opportunity for them, then it's going to be so much more meaningful and, and impactful. And that's what I've really tried to do. I think that everybody really enjoys the work. I certainly hope that they do. And not only that, but like they see the they see the trajectory now where we're on the right path, we're growing extremely fast. And I reward, I just reward that. Um, people that are are critical thinkers are difficult to come by. And I make sure that everybody's getting paid well and that they're getting bonuses and that when the company does well, that they do well also. And I think that a lot of people on the team really feel like they're building, like they're an entrepreneur, right? Like they're building out their own department to an extent and they're rewarded for how well that goes. And that's really the philosophy that I take and the model. And 
it's difficult. Like, you know, things go wrong. You can, it, it's easy to get frustrated about things, but at the end of the day, I really value the team very much. It wouldn't work without them. And I try to make sure that they're constantly just reinforced and that that's, um, you know, kind of reiterated through just basic conversations and, and how everybody's treated. And then also like when it comes down to it at the end of the day, people have to get paid well. And when something goes well, they should be paid for it. And I try to, I really try to make a proactive effort to make sure that that happens. And I can speak to the high level philosophy internally, which is what you're saying and echoing is the idea of entrepreneurship. Like, you know, when we bring in entrepreneurs into a business that know how to run their own businesses, it's a, it's a different challenge because you have to give them freedom, autonomy, and the ability to make decisions all by themselves and obviously reward them for it. And then, you know, essentially create accountability where when they do make mistakes, they improve from those mistakes. But George, what are some final thoughts you have as we close out this conversation on, you know, how to get to 200, 200 racks a month on SEO services? But in reality, obviously it didn't start there overnight, but like speak to the entrepreneurs that are starting out that are just in the early stages, if you don't mind, what are some final thoughts you have? Yeah, just uh, look, if you're going to be an entrepreneur, just be ready to bite somebody's ear off no matter what, right? You got to be, you got to be willing to, to get, uh, to get down and, and dirty and you have to be willing to, to really do the work. And there's going to be lots of ups and downs. Like the first thing that I did when I started my company was Literally, I went and bought or yeah, you know, signed a two-year lease on a two-story office building, and then COVID happened like two weeks later, right? Like that was not cool at all. I lost almost one hundred and fifty thousand dollars doing that, and I really didn't have one hundred and fifty thousand dollars to lose. So there's things that are going to happen that just suck, and you have to like if you're going to make a commitment to being an entrepreneur, you're going to have to, you know, the the downs are hard and the ups are better. So. You have to keep fighting, have to figure out how to make it through the situation that you're dealing with no matter what. And beyond that, I, I would just say what you're doing, make it meaningful and just cut out the fluff. If you're doing things that are not really making an impact, then then get rid of it. And if you really want to make a lot of money, like I said earlier, it's like you have to be able to solve problems for people and figure out how to do that in a repeatable way. And if you can solve problems that save people a lot of money, like client acquisition, then, you know, you're going to make a lot of money no matter what. Um, and that's just really come true for me. And the other thing I would just say about the way we get business and the referrals is a lot of it's just laws of attraction, right? We're good to the clients that we have. We're good to the referral sources that we have. We're trying to always do the right thing. And ultimately, like that level of integrity comes full circle. I really believe that. I love that, George. Well, I appreciate you stopping by and sharing some incredible, incredible things in your journey. And if you're watching this uh, podcast and if you're not using High Level for, for any reason, um, look at the description. There's a link there where you can sign up for a 30-day trial, which we will post here and feel free to watch, it, you know, jump into it. You get a full month to get started with whichever High Level account you want. And we have well over 500 plus features and we like to think we are the first ever operating system in the world of marketing where you can build your own CRMs on top of it and keep 100% of the revenue. But George, thanks for stopping by, man. I appreciate you looking forward to kind of uh, seeing the progress and the, the cool things you guys are doing over there. 
I appreciate it. Thanks so much. 